The Morning Drive on FM 96.3 and AM 620. News Talk WVMT. Welcome back to The Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here. And joining us in studio now, it's Ben Green, and he is the Chief Dam Safety Engineer for the state of Vermont. Good morning, Ben. Uh, Good morning. Thanks for being on The Morning Drive today, talking about this important issue of dam safety. Uh, So, Ben, let's start out with you educating all of us a little bit about how many dams are there in the state of Vermont and who owns them all? That's something I've never really thought about that much, uh, but how many dams do we have? And, and and I know there's a variety of different people or, or organizations, whatever it is, that, that own these dams. Sure, there are uh, roughly 1,000 dams in the state. Um, the distribution of ownership uh, is roughly about 100 that are owned by utility companies. Uh, There's a small number owned by the federal government, and the vast majority of the dams are privately owned. Uh, There's also a municipally owned and state-owned component as well. And so they're privately owned. Those are the small ones, obviously. The bigger ones are owned by Green Mountain Power. Uh, Yeah, or the federal government or state government. There's a few larger private dams as well, but for the most part, that's correct. How many does, approximately, how how many does the state own, would you say? State owns a little over 100. A little over 100, so about 10% of them, and some of the bigger ones. Correct, yes. Yeah. So the, the largest dams the state owns are the three Winooski River flood control dams, Waterbury, Wrightsville, and East Barry. Now, one of the things we've, well, we found this out before the flood, uh, was that there's some dam safety issues in Vermont. There was a report that came out, and I, I know the auditor had questioned dam safety. There's a report that came out that said we, we got basically a C grade. Um, there also was a law that was passed a few years back, which I think was starting to come into play more now, which Acts 161, which gave the state more authority over dams. Um, how did our authority over dams compare before Act 161 to other states in, in order to, for us to take action on dams? Sure. So uh, I work for the Department of Environmental Conservation. Uh, our regulatory uh, our regulatory area is non-hydropower, non-federal dams. Uh, in the state. Um, Prior to Acts 161, uh, we had a state statute, and we didn't have any rules or additional guidance that really went with that. We had pretty limited authorities. Uh, We had the authority to request uh, an owner to make an inspection. Owners, it was a voluntary program. People could actually deny us. We had little authority to compel owners to make safety improvements. If we would make recommendations to owners, it was really up to them whether they wanted to or not. And our ability to compel uh, safety changes really came down to it had to be a near imminent failure scenario. So we were pretty limited, and we really couldn't get too involved unless things were um, going pretty badly. And with Act 61, now that has changed that? It brought Vermont more into uh, what other states, how other states handle this? Correct. Yeah, I would say compared to uh, the the nation where we're a bit behind, um, but Act 161 is allowing us to catch up if you, you know, were just to go one state in any direction, essentially. Um, They're all quite a bit more heavily regulated when it comes to dam safety, but Act 161 is allowing us to catch up. We're developing da- first-ever dam safety rules. Part 1 was done. Was, is done. Part 2 uh, is in the make and um, in the making, and um, once done, we'll be pretty much in compliance with uh, you know, federal dam safety guidelines and, and pretty much in line with what you see in nearby states and, and northeast. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Yes, good morning. Uh, I do have a, a question. Um, it's going to sound a little odd, but uh, dealing with beavers. Um, beavers creating dams, 
uh, humans creating dams. Uh, they both retain and, and restrict and hold back water. Uh, beavers, as far as I know, they do not pull permits. They go completely, they found loopholes around Act 250. Uh, and they do in the, and they're working in the middle of the night. And they are putting dams in places where we, where they feel is the best. Whereas humans, we are putting dams in places that we, I, I guess you could say, have an uh, in, intelligence to know what the uh, what the counter effects will be. Are there any things that uh, are they looking at beaver dams and positions where they are in comparison with where humans are, and if they're negative, or if uh, also are there people going out to monitor the beaver dams because if a if a, a human created dam is going to fail. What's the likelihood of a beaver dam further up, further up, and multiples that will fail? Thank you, Ben. Any thoughts on that? Uh, beaver dams. How does that come? How does that come into play with our dams? Sure. sure. Uh, so I'm, my program, that's one of the things we don't have jurisdiction over, is, is, is you know, wildlife structures or beaver dams. So we have a somewhat limited um, interaction with them. Um, certainly, when beaver there's beaver activity on man-made structures on man-made dams, that's um, not appropriate, and so we have to take appropriate action to you know, remove beavers from those areas. Um, but in terms of them building, so they do sometimes get in the way; they do cause problems. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, we, we, um, you know, we, my department directly owns 14 dams. We've had several dams where we are you know, have challenged by beaver activity on and near and on our on our dams. And uh, I've worked there, through processes. To there's try a to reason why that. they say those pesky beavers. I mean, I yeah, um, I can think of in Middlebury there was one uh, that yeah, it was it was a nightmare. But uh, so he does bring up a good point with the with the regulations, you know, and a lot of private landowners. Um, so say uh, if somebody has a just let's say they have a farm and they want to um, there's a stream or something. And there, there's a dam, existing dam, or maybe they want to divert it and create a, a pond or something. What are the what are the regulations in place now, or um, are there any regulations? And and how would somebody go about that, or is, is that under your purview? Uh, yes. Um, so we have a, a permit threshold of how much water the dam can hold back above a certain number. You need to get a, a permit through us. Below a, 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 it's five hundred thousand cubic feet of storage volume. Uh, which is kind of hard to picture in your mind, but usually you got to get to around a couple acre size pond before you're going to hit that number. Oh, so it can be that big before you need a permit? Uh, depending on depths and heights and things. Oh, good but, point, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of using general numbers yeah. there to give you that, yeah. that estimate, but if the dam is, is smaller than that, there are other state uh, programs that may have jurisdiction. If it's on a perennial stream, it may be a stream alteration issue, mm-hmm. um, but once you get to that 500,000 a cubic foot number it comes to us and there's a formal application process and you need to develop plans and specifications with an engineer for how you're going to build the dam and then we review those and usually there's some back and forth and then as you know when we come to an agreement that, that we think it will meet dam safety requirements then you can get a, a so, permit to do it. um with with a large number of dams that are privately owned um it seems kind of like i mean i realize that you know um and, until something happens people don't think of stuff you know um is there a sense now that there's a bit of a scramble to make sure that the pri- some of the privately owned dams that maybe have been off the radar for years are um, are being inspected? How do you, how are you handling that? Yeah, I mean, following the July flooding, mm-hmm. uh, we 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 did we did a uh, rapid inspection program where we uh, ended up performing about 390 inspections of of dams statewide and. 
Um, there are dams historically, since our programs have just historically been volunt- largely voluntary, we, there are certain owners that we've had a hard time um, you know, contacting. Yeah. yeah. We also need owner permission to even access property so people can say, no, you can't come. And, right. Um, we, weren't, we, couldn't, we couldn't go. Um, so, you know, but we, I think we've actually, this flood, I guess one benefit of it was that we were able to really work down through our inventory. We were able to get hold of some owners that we never really historically were. And, yep. and I think we have a, we have a pretty well under, good understanding now of what owners we really need to target in terms of ones we can't get a hold of or ones that have changed ownership and we need to sort of chase that down. Sometimes that can turn into a, Challenge in of itself, just to sure, kind of track down sure. ownership and, and and get to the right people. Well, I think too that if you had a challenge before, it, maybe people were thinking, "Well, you don't need to see it; it's fine, it's safe." And then when you have a storm like we did, and then suddenly they realize, "Yeah, maybe I maybe I have a ticking time bomb in my backyard. <laughs> I want to call the state and have them help me out there, out here." And how how would somebody if if they if they haven't been contacted or have been you know how do they get in touch with you? So uh, we have our, um, you know, we, I, we have a four-person team that does inspection work, and uh, we have a website, and all of our phone numbers are on there. We also have a general uh, e- email uh, mailbox, anrdamsafety at vermont.gov, and uh, we monitor that, and that's sort of how people can get a hold of us, um, you know, should they have a dam or should have a dam safety-related question. We're talking to Ben Green this morning. If you have a question for Ben, Ben is the chief dam safety engineer for the state of Vermont. If you have a question for Ben about this is a pretty big issue, dam safety as a result We've seen a lot happen during the floods back in July. Give us a call on the McKenzie Country Classic Hotline, 888 And we've got one on the line now. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Yeah, hello, guys. Uh, that beaver question was uh, incredulous, but I have a serious question coming, but beavers are the best engineers. Beaver dams don't fail, and beavers should have a office in Waterbury, but... Listen, is it possible to have a levee system to go along like they have in Mississippi where the excess water can be pushed back uh, by a berm? And how many of these dams, sir, do you go around and inspect yourself? And how does this affect the fish uh, that would come and go? And even the best uh, flood prevention dams, Cannot stop Mother Nature this summer. Uh, take in that direction, if you could, sir. Uh, sure. So I guess the first question was around levy systems. Uh, in the state of Vermont, I think in terms of like registered levies, we have very little. I think the only levies we have uh, that are formal uh, levies are in the Bainton area. There are certainly, I think, some regulated berm, unregulated berms, you know, at certain locations throughout the state. Uh, that's actually outside of my... That's outside of dam safety. We don't have jurisdiction over them. Um, and I think that would ultimately really be a floodplain and stream alteration uh, question to really be able to answer that better. But I think generally the the state's uh, position on that is floodplain connectivity is preferable over levee systems. But Ben, what did we find out during the floods in July in regard to, to dams? Um, did we find that a lot of dams failed? I mean, Green Mountain Power, for example, puts up without the word that their dams, the ones that they're responsible for and they own, operated, they they feel they operated just the way they're supposed to. Obviously, not all dams did. Uh, what did we find out about, about our dams during the floods? Yeah, I think uh, it depended regionally where you were and kind of what uh, the actual rain event that that dam saw. I mean, the water, the rainfall ranged up to roughly a thousand-year storm event in some areas, which is a very severe um, we had 
uh, the dams that we we oversee or that we have jurisdiction over, we had four full failures. We had about nine that partially breached, meaning that um, you know once the storm passed, the water did not return to its normal level. It was lower because it had failed a portion, small portion of the dam. Um, I think we had over rough forty to fifty dams that overtopped or flowed over a section that's not designed for overtopping. Um, I think some of what we learned uh, was that uh, you know we do have certainly a portion of the dams in the states that we could just call hydraulically inadequate, meaning unable to safely uh, pass a large storm event. That was something we we were already somewhat aware of. Um, I think one other thing that we a couple other lessons learned: um, a lot of uh, dams have a, a two spillway system, a, pr- a principal spillway system that's designed to handle normal flows, and then a, 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 a larger spillway system that usually is dry or not not activated. And then during a storm event, it sort of acts like a safety valve. As the water level comes up to a certain point, it, it, it discharges. And we had a lot of erosion and damage in auxiliary spillways, which uh, by and large saves the dam, so there's an advantageous uh, use of it. But um, a lot of auxiliary spillways took some pretty heavy damage, so uh, perhaps some underbuilt uh, auxiliary spillways. And I think probably the, th- the third technical le- lesson learned is each dam should have what's called a low-level outlet or pond drain. Basically, it's a, a low valve that could be opened um, during drier periods and the reservoir level drawn down, sort of like post-flood. So if your dam took major damage, you still have this potential energy represented by the water behind it. Uh, how do you make that situation safer um, in those kind of more dire situations? If you have a low-level outlet, you simply open that and you slowly drain the pond down, either partially or fully, and then you've reduced the risk of a failure uh, and the or, and or the resulting consequence from a failure would be much lower. Um, unfortunately, we have a lot of dams that, that, that have either non-functional or don't have, all have low-level outlets. And so um, you know, several of the dams that had, had some more trouble didn't actually have an operable low-level outlet, which greatly challenged the uh, process of getting water out to... To, to reduce risks. Well, and I, I'm looking at the national site that we can go through uh, through the Vermont site, but it's daunting when it says, you know, um, the 88 year, the average dam age is 88 years old. 84% of dams in Vermont are high hazard potential dams. That that number seems scary. And then when I click on certain counties, um, and this is from the national government. So, yeah, keep in mind that that's the national inventory of dams. They have a different definition of dams than we do here in Vermont. Okay. Um, that's that, what I was hoping you were going to say. Right. If you looked at how many dams I think are in there, it says something around the 300 range. 370. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. They, they um, you know, keep in mind this is a national database. This includes compared to dams out west. Okay. So a lot of the, um, so, so they have a minimal heights and storage volumes higher than what we Okay. What we consider dams here. Yep. Um, so, you know, the distribution, we have, we have a lot of smaller dams that don't even register in the national inventory um, that we register here. Gotcha. So. It's because in the national inventory, like when I click on Addison County, it says 100% of the dams in Addison County, there's a total of 36 of them, are uh, high hazard potential. And what does that what does that really mean? Is it when the, is, as far as the feds look at it, is that a standard that you, that you would agree with? That, that's a that's a national, largely a national standard. When the Act One Sixty One came into effect, we adopted uh, those definitions for hazard potential classification, and there's four of them in the state of Vermont, which is again in line with the federal standards in other states. There's dams are rated high, significant, low, and minimal. A high hazard dam is a dam that, in the event of a failure, whether or not you think it's possible or not. Uh, it would result in probable loss of life. A significant hazard dam is a dam, if it were to fail, would not result in probable loss of life, but a lot of property damage, lifeline loss, environmental losses. And a low hazard dam is a dam, if it were to fail, it would be pretty limited uh, losses downstream, no loss of life, very limited property loss. 
Um, and a minimal hazard dam is essentially just a, a small low hazard dam. Okay, so that doesn't mean that it's not based on their condition. It's based on if they failed regardless of their condition. Correct. Uh, hazard potential classification okay. is entirely independent of condition. Okay, because when I look at that, I think, holy cow, every dam is 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 dangerous, but it's not. It's just that's how they classify what would happen if it failed. It's not saying that 100% of them are are uh, failable. Well, I, I, I guess you have to be a little careful there. I would say all dams are probably failable. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, in yeah, the, in the, the right realm of, use. you know, and all engineering has its limits. Yeah. Um, We're talking but, to Ben Green. He is the chief dam, dam safety engineer for the state of Vermont. The McKenzie Country Classic Hotline's open. If you have a question for him, give him a call. Give us a call now on 888 And I think we have a call. Let's go to the lines. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, ben, just a, a kind of an observation for me. Uh, I've been fishing the rivers here in the state of Vermont since back in the 60s. And uh, it used to be pretty good fishing. And uh, rivers like the Winooski, the Lamoille, the Missisquoi, and the Otter, uh, there was gravel bars all up through those rivers. And every spring there was a massive rush of ice and water down through that blew the silt off the top of those gravel bars and out into the broad lake far enough so... Um, you could run a boat out through them in the, in the spring. Uh, I'm just wondering who regulates the flow of water through these dams and uh, establishes a minimum flow rate. Because right now, in the middle of the summer, this year's a little bit of an exception, but uh, you can't get a boat out of any river in this state uh, because there's just not enough water because all the silt's being dropped right at the end of it. And uh, it's also been damaging to the fish population. I know of my walleye association, they're dumping rocks around dams and stuff to try and uh, improve the breeding grounds for these fish. But uh, I think there's just too much water being held back, and we don't get that good blowout every year. So that's just kind of an observation. Dan, any comments on that? Um, you know, the I guess... Department of Environmental Conservation uh, Streamflow Protection Division is the one that regulates. Um, I think I said Dan when it's Ben. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't notice. Um, uh, and I think their, their their movement is very much a run of river style operations at dams, meaning that what comes in has to go out. Um, and I know in some ways that even just to the negative of power production at some hydropower dams. Um, but you know, in terms of um, you know dams, I guess an unfortunate consequence of all dams is that they do segment aquatic populations. They block fish passage. You know they do um, cause water that's impounded behind the dam to warm up, which can make less good habitat uh, for native species. So there are you know there are some negative consequences of dams as well that that are real. Dan, Ben, geez, I don't know why I'm going down. I'm thinking dams. Ben, how many how many of the small dams do you think or do you know how many do you think need to be shut down? Need to be closed yeah, as in like removed taken out yeah um well again so our, our we're the dam safety program our statute you know covers you know, do new, new dam construction which is pretty limited uh dam rehabilitation and dam removal it's really an owner decision uh, as the to decide you know what needs to be done there are dams that are sort of at that hinge point where they they're they've been around for many years many of the dams as he noted are over 50 years old in the state um they're at that point in their service life where they are either due for a major upgrade, and that's sort of a hinge point for an owner to make a decision of what is the use of this dam, what's the beneficial, what am I getting from it, um, what's my you know risk and consequence portfolio as an owner, and does it make sense to hold on to this or not? And that's purely looking at it from the safety standpoint. And then there are you know environmental 
uh, reasons to right. to potentially remove it or not. What's the process if if someone if a dam is going to be removed or or an owner wants to remove a dam? What's the state's role in that, or is there one? Sure. Um, so in our program, it's a, it's considered an alteration, just as a as a repair would be. And so you'd have to come through our our program and and you know, with a designed removal project, um, and we would we would work with you to permit that. Um, there are entities at the state that can assist with with funding and other technical technical aspects of dam removal as well. Um, and there's a lot of uh, non government organizations and others in the state that are also interested in removal from an environmental standpoint. Did we learn anything from the issue during the flood with the Wrightsville Dam? in the Montpelier area. What did we learn out of that? Obviously, that was the one that was really critical. It got within how close to... About 10 inches from... Uh, as I was mentioning, you know, most many dams have a principal spillway and an auxiliary spillway. Um, and some dams, that's not a very big elevation difference because they're not really designed for flood control. Well, in the in when, in the right, case of Wrightsville Dam, that is a flood control dam built by the Army Corps of Engineers in the 1930s, handed over to the state of Vermont. It's one of the ones that we have ownership responsibility for. And... Again, the, the difference in elevation between the principal spillway and the auxiliary spillway is over 50 feet, and so that's our flood control band. That's that's you know our principal spillway has a fairly fixed capacity. Once that fixed capacity is is meets, matches inflow, we start to store water there. We essentially stored. We basically had the flood basically had the flood pool full, and we were within 10 inches of, of discharging over the auxiliary spillway. Um, and thankfully, the the rain stopped, and we we started to slowly recede. But we did have a few small back to back storms that sort of refilled our reservoir and got close again and then receded and slowly we were able to, to get ahead of it and, and drain it. But I think really what we learned there is the susceptibility of Wrightsville Reservoir to back-to-back storms in that um, the existing system doesn't drain it very fast. And so if we'd had a you know, back-to-back storm event scenario, a more severe one, um, we would have had we would have discharged the auxiliary spillway, which again isn't necessarily a dam safety deficiency. That's how the system's designed to work, but that's where basically we reached the limits of the flood carrying capacity of that dam. So is is there a plan to, or are they working on a plan? Are you working on a plan to figure out a way to maybe drain it faster, or is that that's what's undergoing right now? Uh, we're, we're working. We're talking with the Army Corps of Engineers again. They're the original designers and constructors of that dam, um, and so we have an ongoing project cooperative agreement with them. And we're working right now to hopefully find a way to have them assist us in a feasibility study to look at alternatives of what we could do to hopefully address that issue in the future. What do you do when there's a listing of high hazard potential for a dam like? Uh, I was reading an article about uh, Institute Pond Dam in Linden, which apparently has the high hazard potential listed as high hazard potential, which apparently means uh, dam failure could result in lawful, potential loss of life. What what happens there when when you have that kind of a a rating for a dam? So the difference between a, a dam rated and high hazard potential is it has a more strict. Um, uh, safety uh, requirements it has to meet, which again, this really comes into back to us now having starting to get rules in place and actually have regulatory authority over these dams. But uh, you know, basic examples of that would be a high hazard dam is inspected more often than a significant or low hazard dam, where a high hazard dams inspected every two years, um, a significant would be every five, and a low would be every ten to kind of give you an idea. Um, the design storm or, or the design storm that a high hazard dam has to be able to safely pass is a much larger flood event than those other dams. You know, the, the engineering has to be more rigorous. Um, they're designed to be um, uh, more resilient than than the dams that are that are significant or low hazard. And Ben, we are just about out of time, but I want to just quickly ask you about uh, in Washington County. There's a dam, uh, the Marshfield Dam which there's some controversy there between the residents, the select board in Marshfield who feel the dam is not safe. It's owned by Green Mountain Power, right? And they've said 
the dam is operating as it should. It's safe. The residents and the select board feel Green Mountain Power needs to do more, and they don't trust what Green Mountain Power is telling them. The article says, dam flow. This dam blocks the flow of trust. What Do you have any any play in that, or is it strictly between Green Mountain Power and the town of Marshfield? So that's a power-producing dam, so we are. it's not within our regulatory you know, jurisdiction. So we, while generally aware of that situation, we don't have a, a, a defined role uh, at that at that facility or, or yeah, that situation. Do you, do, does the state take any opinion, like whether the townspeople have have a, you know, they have a point, or or does the town just or does the state just stay completely out of that? So again, I, I can only speak for my own program on that, and I can say again, we don't really have a, a defined role. There's um, we have no jurisdiction, so. Um, you know, we've we've uh, have not you know, been involved in that, so I don't really have a All lot. Right. Of my last question, real quick: if a, if another flood hit right away, would we would you know a significant flood? Would we be in a better position soon? That or I mean, are we moving forward to be in a better spot than we would be than we would have been in July? We we, we are. We're still picking up from the last flood, so right now I'd say we're we're vulnerable, um, absolutely. But we're. We're picking things up, and hopefully, you know, there's dams have been identified. We're working through risk reduction measures at a number of dams. Um, and hopefully, you know, as these rules come into place and we start to be able to have a little more regulatory authority to, to address safety issues before they become a real problem, um, we can get ahead of these things uh, better than we have in the past. All right, Ben Green, uh, Chief Dam Safety Engineer for the State of Vermont. Thanks so much for making the trip down today and for being on the morning drive. We Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for coming in. All right, we're going to check in with the news, and we'll be back with Eric from Global Garage right after this. 